I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. This is something of a comeback, because the last time you heard my voice was back in February of this year, when I was covering the aftermath of the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder rematch. A lot's been happening in the world, as you know, since then, and while it's it would be easy for me to say that I've been busy, I want you to indulge me for a moment and let you know why I've been away from making podcasts for so many months. At the end of February, uh, I went on a cruise with my family, not just as a little getaway, but also because my older sister, Stephanie, was getting married on the boat. Vacation was a lot of fun, but we literally got on and off the boat at the 11th hour of COVID, because um, as we were getting on, we were being asked constantly, did you go anywhere near China recently? And it's like, oh yeah, us Canadians... We totally go to China all the time. It's our favorite winter getaway. But uh, we probably got back into Canada just three days before the borders were closed. So, um, we, like I said, we get on and off at the 11th hour. So, I'm back in Calgary for... Uh, I got back on a Monday. And I was due back at work on Saturday. But on Friday, my boss called and she said, Listen... No, you're not coming back to work. You're going into quarantine. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, I uh, I put my Netflix account to good use, and after that, I tried adjusting to life in a COVID nineteen world. And then this past May, the worst thing possible could have happened. My older sister, Stephanie, who, as I mentioned, got married on the cruise ship, unfortunately was involved in a cycling accident one day while she was out riding her bicycle, and she never recovered. So, on top of uh, dealing with the unexpected death of a sibling, trying to help my parents grieve, and also examining my own mortality and um, I want to say almost lack of accomplishment at uh, age 34 compared to where she was. You'll have to forgive me if I was not in a uh, in a generous mood to record a podcast. If there was a part of me that wanted to talk about something and believe me, believe me, there was stuff. That I want to talk about. And don't worry. That's what I'm recording this for. Alright. There is stuff that I do want to talk about. I do want to talk about. Um, some of the fights I saw. On last Saturday's. Uh, PBC on Fox. There are. Uh, comebacks. That have already happened. Or are going to happen. That I want to talk about. But. At the same time, I haven't had any energy to do it. So this is my best attempt to sort of get back in the ring, so to speak. Because if there was one thing my sister was good at, it was looking at somebody and saying, Okay, you've done your grieving. Now, can you please get on with it? Whatever you're going to do, just get on with it. She didn't have a lot of time for bullshit. She didn't have a lot of time for people 
who sat around feeling sorry for themselves. Not that she wasn't unsympathetic, but at the same time, she was, she would have said, okay, I understand that you are sad and you're certainly within your rights, but that doesn't mean you have to have a sad existence. So that's what I'm attempting to uh, get out of. I'm attempting to try and get into, and I really, really hate this saying, but the new normal, which is like the theme of 2020, among other bad things, but that's where I've been since February. I've been quarantined, I've been grieving, and thankfully I'm still employed, all right? I mean, they kind of realized, oh God, um... You know, we, we can't pay as much as I would love to have my employers pay me to stay at home and binge watch whatever anime is uh, streaming on Netflix. Full confession, I got into Beastars and I was kind of like, wow, this is like a Zootopia anime almost. But I never saw Zootopia, so I'm just, <laughs> I'm kind of rambling now. Let's get into, let's actually get into some boxing, okay? And I don't know, maybe. Listen to the Basement Vagrants if you want to hear me talk about Beastars or whatever. But now that my comeback is in motion, let's talk about some other comebacks that have been taking place and could be taking place in the boxing world. First off, congratulations are in order to Sergio Martinez. Six years and two months after his one-sided loss to Miguel Cotto, the former middleweight champion returned on August 21st against Jose Miguel Fandino. Credit to Martinez. At 45, he looks like he's barely aged a day since we last saw him. He's still got those those Maravilla movie star looks. And if he decides he doesn't want to box anymore, this guy should be the lead in some kind of Argentinian drama. Okay, he, he could be the Argentinian equivalent of Jack Bauer if they do the Argentinian equivalent in that in that country. He could he could do that. Um Obviously, he could uh, handle himself in hand-to-hand combat scenes, but I-, I watched the fight, and Sergio, you know, did all right for... He did look okay for a 45-year-old man, but at the same time, his opponent, Fandino, entered the ring with a record of 15 wins, 6 losses. I mean, if you want a former middleweight champion in his mid-40s to look good against someone, I suppose you could do worse than Jose Miguel Fandino, but at the same time, maybe you could do better. Uh, what was interesting to me, though, was that Sergio stopped Fandino with, it looked like a body shot. You never, I never saw a lot of those from Martinez. He was always, you know, he would always hold his hands low and then be countering you when you're trying to go in for a shot of his own. I, while I was back home, I actually found some, my parents held on to old, all my old uh, copies of Ring Magazine, and you know some of these are from early 2009, before he really broke onto the scene with his uh, dr- uh, his loss to Paul Williams. I almost called it a draw, maybe it should have been, but um, it's kind of like, oh gosh, like there's Martinez before he really became the the man at middleweight division for a while. Ugh. so anyway, uh, credit to Martinez, he got the victory. And age apparently uh, does have his rewards, and uh, 
so to start him, because this victory has propelled Sergio Martinez into the top 10 rankings of the WBA, all right? He's, he's off for six years, comes back, fights a guy with a record of 15 and 6, and he's propelled all the way to number 6 in the WBA's rankings. You know, if you need further proof that sanctioning bodies are corrupt entities that only tarnish the sport that they govern, look no further than this. How the hell, the, the, how the hell does this happen? I imagine Sergio probably thinks it's absurd, or at least I like to hope so. And this is not a knock on Sergio. I really like the guy. I think he is a class act. I uh, I kind of wish that um, he could have become a bigger star in North America, because he certainly earned it with great victories over Kelly Pavlik, over... Oh, that kind of pains me to say this, because I love Paul Williams so much, but that beautiful... Beautiful second-round knockout of Paul Williams. I mean, I love you, Paul, but it can't deny that it was a good knockout. I'm so sorry. But um, I'm not sure what is next for uh, Sergio Martinez after this. However, I do know somebody who has some opinions about uh, Sergio Martinez, and that is former WBC middleweight champion and the person who suffered his first loss to Sergio Martinez, one Julio Chubby Chavez Jr. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, that, that was a typo. That's Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Yeah, now apparently Chavez Jr. is apparently going to be making a comeback of his own in Mexico later this month. Personally, I don't care about it. I honestly think we have given that fat, lazy man baby way too much credit, attention, because every time he comes into the ring, he either, you know, he looks good against somebody who is clearly outmatched, or he looks terrible against somebody who should be clearly outmatched and gets a decision anyway. But uh, oh, this is this is what he said about uh, Sergio Martinez. Quote, Martinez is old now. He won well, but his opponent was a lump. He couldn't move side to side. His legs didn't respond to him to do those movements. I think he's no longer there to box with anyone. He needs to box with me so I can let him retire with some money. I'm going to beat him because I'm going to prepare very well for that fight, apart from the fact that he is already old. What he says or speaks about does not interest me. That is what he wants, to attract attention. He has never looked for me. Martinez never looked for me. He was retired. He didn't give me a rematch. He preferred to fight with Miguel Cotto than with me. Everyone knows it. I never turned him down. What happened is that the American networks did not accept his fights because he had a knee injury, so he retired. I've always been willing to fight him. If I fought Daniel Jacobs with three years of inactivity, how could I not, how could I not fight an old man like him who was useless? It has to be in Mexico or Argentina. In the United States, they won't accept an old man fighting, unquote. Yes, they won't accept an old man fighting in the United States. That's why all of Bernard Hopkins' fights took place in the continent of Australia and, you know, just just a few pockets of South Africa where they were kind of like, oh yeah, we'll have Hopkins fight here. What is this fat dumbass talking about? Okay, you have to remember, all the way back in 2012, and like, 
I bet you some of you are realizing, oh my god, that, that fight was eight years ago. Yeah. Sergio Martinez versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I predicted that uh, Martinez would stop Jr. in the 11th round. And I'll be honest, even though... Uh, even though Junior won the 11th round on my scorecard, I think that was the first round I actually gave him, it, there there was a certain moment where it looked like, oh, Martinez is kind of stepping it up here. He might stop him, but to his credit, Junior came back. And then there was the dramatic uh, 12th round, which I actually watched prior to recording this podcast. But what's Julio doing? Come on, you have not beaten anybody of note. All right, you you really haven't, and you have to remember that uh, after Julio Cesar Chavez lost that decision to uh, Martinez, he had those uh, two fights with Brian Vera. The first one, everybody thought Vera won. This the second one, uh, obviously he. I I don't even remember if it was that uh, Chavez was actually in shape this time. Or whatever. But, you know, he was actually able to earn a decision this time. Even though everybody agrees Vera pretty much won the first time. Uh, So after those two fights with Brian Vera, he steps up with Andre Fonfara and gets his ass beat. Okay? And you have to notice that for each of those fights, he's coming in heavier and heavier. The fights with Vera, the the second one was at um, 168 pounds. I'm just checking right now. And, yeah, he, he was actually lighter in the rematch than he was in the first match. Because in the uh, first match with Vera, there was probably a catch weight, I'm going to guess, of 172 pounds. Because that's what uh, Chavez weighed. And I'm actually looking at all these scorecards that all these people had for uh, the uh, Vera versus Chavez fight. I'm not seeing anyone that reads... For Chavez, they all have it either a draw or for Vera. I mean, the the, the fight with Martinez, even though he lost that kind of one-sidedly, you know what, it's kind of like you showed that you could have done it in the 12th round. You didn't, but the potential's there. He squandered that potential, all right? If he's looking for somebody to blame, he should blame himself about why Martinez didn't take a rematch. Sure, you had Bob Arum saying, oh, we could have a rematch uh, at Cowboys Stadium, 70,000 fans. Yeah, that's not going to happen now. Okay? Because you can't have any fans in the stadium. But regardless. But, I mean, th- th- this is sad. It's really sad that Chavez has to resort to these types of tactics to try and goad somebody who already beat him into a rematch. It's like, listen, um, he doesn't owe you a rematch Chubby, you are not old one. You have to remember that after the fight with Chavez, uh, he took on Martin Murray, who was an undefeated fighter, won a decision against him. And then he had the fight with Miguel Cotto. The reason he took the fight with Miguel Cotto was because Cotto, like it or not, was still a star. Hadn't really won a big fight up to that point. All right, you can talk to me about, oh, he won the Margarito rematch. Big freaking deal. Margarita had been pummeled by Pacquiao at that point. I suppose to make a long story short, if Julio Cesar Chavez wants to have a rematch that he believes he's earned with Sergio Martinez, 
he first actually has to earn a rematch. You have to have some victories. Maybe have a victory over a legitimate opponent. I mean, if he had beaten Daniel Jacobs, that would have gotten people's attention. That would be like, oh my god, he beat Jacobs. Whoa, okay. You know, look, look. I'd be willing to see him fight Martinez again, but nobody wants that now. I mean, Chavez, for years, and he had the potential, all right? But unfortunately, he's, you know, when you grow up a, a rich kid, you don't have that hunger to make weight, all right? That's why he was always making excuses, like, I need to come in heavier. I need to, uh, you know, I need to do this, I need to do that. He, he'll do the same song and dance about, oh, I'm back with Freddie Roach, and I, I've committed myself to boxing 200 trillion percent. And then, you know, you show him some adversity, and it's kind of like, well, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna go home, you know. Like, I don't really care that much about boxing. Even if you listen to this guy, obviously I can't understand what is what he's saying without subtitles, but he's got a voice that sounds like it belongs to a stupid person, and that's what I believe he is. Anyway, I've wasted enough time talking about uh, Julio Chunky Chavez, or Julio Chubby Chavez. I mean, Julio, for the love of God, put down the beer and pretzels, Chavez. Moving on. Oh, no, wait, see, I can't. I can't move on from Julio Cesar Chavez because, unfortunately, he's related to uh, the other subject of this podcast who is planning on making a comeback, the golden boy, Oscar De La Hoya. Yes, 12 years after a humiliating one-sided beatdown against Manny Pacquiao, which everybody thought he was going to win, and I've got the receipts, people. Again, that old Ring magazine is back in my parents' house. I believe it said... Yeah, they, they pulled 20, 20 so-called experts to pick a winner between De La Hoya and Pacquiao. 18 picked Oscar De La Hoya to win. Only two picked Pacquiao. Obviously, if you can do the math. But um, one of those two experts was Timothy Bradley. They should have pulled me, all right? I, I honest to God, knew that that's how that fight would go, that Pacquiao was just going to be faster, stronger. De La Hoya hadn't made the welterweight limit in years. I just, I mean, for God's sakes, go back and watch the video I made about De La Hoya versus Pacquiao. You'll see it was such a mistake. But now you're probably thinking, how does how does this relate to Chunky Chavez Jr.? Well, uh, Chavez thought that if he can't uh, goad Martinez into a rematch, maybe he can goad. Oscar De La Hoya into a fight because he took some shots at De La Hoya on social media. Quote, Martinez won. He's old. He should stop making a fool of himself. And Oscar De La Hoya too. Go to rehab instead of wanting to box. Rehab would help you more. Unquote. Oh. I think Julio I think listens to the Boxing for Free podcast. Oh, gosh. That sounds like kind of my talking points. I mean... Oh, wow. And yes, De La Hoya says that uh, he's interested in a comeback. It's The question is now, um, is he really serious about it? Is this just talk to draw attention to himself? Is he kind of bored? And if he does come back, who, who do you give him as an opponent? 
Because it's clear De La Hoya is not going to make 147 pounds again. I don't think he's going to make 154 or, or even 160, to be honest. Let's be honest. I've seen Oscar at fights, in interviews. He looks very soft around the midsection. I'm not saying he's getting extraordinarily fat, but it's clear that this guy is not exercising the way that he used to. All right, He's not a Bernard Hopkins. and like Hopkins was always in shape. Hell, Hopkins is probably still in shape. But De La Hoya, oh, no, 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 no. This can only lead to disaster. And you have to wonder, is would Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. be a good opponent for him? Now, I just found out this uh, kind of recently, but apparently Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., whom De La Hoya beat twice back in the 1990s, um... Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. is willing to face Oscar De La Hoya in an exhibition. According to this, it says, this is from ESPN, uh, Chavez Sr. willing to face Oscar De La Hoya in exhibition to finish career. Well, let's be honest. Chavez's career was finished, you know, by the time he fought Costa Zoo. I mean, yikes. I, uh... This is from ESPN. Quote, if Oscar De La Hoya follows through on his desire to return to the ring, fellow boxing legend Julio Cesar Chavez would be more than happy to face him in an exhibition that would put the final touch on the Mexican champion's long-storied career. Quote, it would be the last, last exhibition I would do. The 58-year-old Chavez, who is scheduled to fight Jorge Arce on September 25th, told ESPN. Okay, th- this is actually kind of news to me. I had no idea that Chavez Sr., was going to be doing an exhibition with Arce on September 25th. I mean, that's how that's how long I've been out of the sport, I guess. But, um, wow. I mean, that's something. When Julio Cesar, Cesar Chavez Sr. is getting back into the ring quicker than his fat-ass son, That's that kind of shows you. I mean, I'll be honest. I would have thought that Julio Sr., would have emancipated Junior by now. Just kind of like let him go off and like, uh, you're not my son anymore. Go away. But, uh, no. Wow. So, we're going to be getting to another exhibition uh, later in the in the broadcast, but, hmm. I don't know if De La Hoya would want to do that. I always have a feeling like even though there might be some respect between them, that he really does not like Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. It's kind of like, you know, I beat you the first time and you blamed <laughs> you blamed that loss on your son. Now, I don't know if that son was Junior, but I remember reading that, you know, uh, there was an excerpt uh, from De La Hoya's book in Ring Magazine, and apparently... Uh, Chavez was bouncing one of his uh, kids on his knee, and the the son's head accidentally cut Chavez by the eyebrow, and that was the cut that got opened against uh, De La Hoya in the first uh, round of their first fight. And then in the uh, the second fight, De La Hoya just pounded Chavez into quitting on his stool after seven or eight rounds. I mean. Look, it'd be interesting if the exhibition like that happened. I honestly think that uh, it'll be... uh, If I was a betting man, I would assume that maybe De La Hoya would go for Junior. 
just to kind of give Junior the opportunity to uh, get revenge for his dad. But it's also a chance for De La Hoya to say, hey, no matter what generation of Chavez you are, I'm going to kick your ass. So that's interesting, but De La Hoya is kind of quiet about uh, the comeback. You know, I personally would be very, very surprised if he actually continued to go forward with it, but we'll have to see with Oscar. Moving on. Mike Tyson. Before all this terrible stuff happened with my sister, I was getting phone calls and text messages and people at work were coming up to me and saying, hey, you like boxing? Do you know about this? And they are showing me the videos of Tyson hitting the pads on... They're showing me Tyson throwing punches at the punching bag. Tyson... He's an old Mike Tyson, but he looks like the Tyson of old. And even my dad. My dad is saying, holy crap, like, what the hell? And then I'm trying to explain to him, like, look, uh, Mike Tyson's 54, 55 years old. I mean, and it's just phenomenal. So this exhibition, this has got a lot of people talking and looking forward to it, if it's still going to happen. Roy Jones Jr. versus Mike Tyson. Now, apparently... There was some concern because the, uh, originally the uh, fight was supposed to be taking a lot sooner. It was supposed to happen September 12th, but um, for re- whatever reason, it got uh, pushed back to November 28th. Ugh, November 28th, I can't even talk. And this is just to maximize the revenue for the event. The promotion that is being done for this fight is really good. It's almost kind of like something out of WWE. I can't explain it, but it's like it's, it's a good it's a good thing. I'm talking about good attitude era WWE. Back when it was actually called WWF even. Um there there was some doubt about whether it would take place because uh, initially Jones was saying that he wanted a further financial compensation because the of the delays and that if he wasn't compensated he would be moving on it's like oh what what else did you have going on roy jones that was so important what were you recording another rap album that was just a love letter to yourself i mean look what else do you really have going on roy jones uh, what there's no hbo broadcast for you to be on not anymore so um Either way, I think the fight is very exciting. Oddly enough, there was a potential of Roy Jones Jr. versus Mike Tyson happening years ago, back when Roy won or Roy was uh, going to be making his debut in the heavyweight division after like six or seven years of saying, "Oh, I might move up. I might move up." Yeah, what a what a what a thrilling adventure that was. He fought John Ruiz. And... Oh, sorry. Don't don't even act like you are impressed with Roy Jones Jr. versus John Ruiz. Nobody goes back and watches that fight, all right? Nobody. Unless your name is Roy Jones Jr., that is the only reason why somebody would go back and watch that fight. Either way, they talked about this fight happening years ago. It didn't happen, obviously, because, well, Mike Tyson was on the downslope pretty much after he lost to Lennox Lewis. But with this exhibition now, it's like, wow, we've got 
Mike Tyson, who's been out of the ring since 2005, so 15 years removed from the sport, he is looking great. He's in phenomenal shape. I'm 34 years old, and I, I wish I could be in half as good a shape as he is. I also wish I was half as rich as he is. Now, it's too early to make a prediction because we are going to be trying to get, we're going to be getting closer and closer to the fight. But right now, to me, a lot of you probably think, well, you know, Tyson is older. He's had the problems with drugs and alcohol in the past. He's been to rehab. He's Mike Tyson. There's always something a bit crazy going on with him. That's true. But you have to think about this. For the past 15 years, Mike Tyson has been doing, well, anything but boxing. The closest thing that uh, came to that, 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 that came to boxing, was in September 2006, when Tyson said that he was going to embark on a world tour of exhibition fights that he built, the Mike Tyson World Tour. That tour uh, went from Youngstown, Ohio to nowhere else because there was only one bout. It was against uh, his former sparring partner, uh, Corey Sanders, and I'm not talking about uh, the former heavyweight champion, Corey Sanders, and this is just somebody with a similar-sounding name. 6,000 fans were in attendance, and uh, the crowd was often booing with displeasure, and that was the only exhibition fight. So, between... Okay, let's say 2006 and out. 15 to 14 years where Tyson's been out of the ring. Now, Roy Jones Jr. since 2005. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh dear, I wouldn't laugh. In 2005, he suffered his third loss in a row. This was actually his fourth loss overall. But he you have to remember, from 2004 to 2005... Three losses in a row. Two to Antonio Tarver, one to Glenn Johnson. He got absolutely spanked by Joe Calzaghe, and that is when Roy Jones Jr. should have retired for good. But no, he kept going. Then he lost another three in a row. And yeah, I'm. there are some victories against a who's who of who the hell are you and why the hell are you here. I mean, ooh, Roy Jones Jr. beat up Felix Trinidad in 2008. Yeah, it's an. What is it with Roy Jones Jr. always having these bouts years after their best buy date? Or best before date? It's kind of like, you know, a, a Trinidad fight would have been interesting in 2002 had Trinidad gotten past Bernard Hopkins, because apparently that was in the works, that if. Trinidad beat Hopkins, his next fight would be against Roy Jones Jr. That never happened, and so we got it, you know, eight years later or whatever. And it, again, what was memorable about it? All that was memorable was that, oh, Tito should have quit, you know, he should have just said no to this, okay? So then he's got the losses to Danny Green, Bernard Hopkins, Dennis, uh, Dennis Le Lebedev, okay? And these, some of these are hard losses. He got knocked out in one round by Danny Green. The uh, fight with Lebedev, I think that was round 10. Yeah. I again, it's like, Roy, okay, just stop. You don't have to do this. But no, kept going. And again, finding a who's who of who the hell are you. A aside from Enzo Macaronelli 
And that was his final loss of his career. That was back in 2015. Roy's been taking unnecessary punishment. All right? It, he really shouldn't be doing this. And I'm just worried, is he setting himself up to get hurt even more? I really don't want that to happen. But right now, if I had to pick a side, I would go with uh, with Mike Tyson. All right? I just think that he's going to be faster. I think he's going to be... I think his punches are going to hurt a lot more. And plus, have you seen the size of Tyson's legs? Jesus! They are massive! Like, his legs are wider than my torso! I am a frail, skinny white boy, but even I'm kind of like, oh my god, those legs! It's like, you can leap over a tall building in a single bound with those things. Incredible. But, uh, yeah, so that's a that's an actual comeback exhibition that's going to be happening. I mean, who knows? Who knows if there's going to be anything further? Because now, of course, you got people on Facebook saying Tyson should come back legitimately. He should enter the the uh, professional ranks again and try to beat George Foreman's record. It's like, why don't we actually try walking before we start running? Okay. It's not like George Foreman came back after 10 years and immediately got a title shot, all right? He came back in 1987 or 88. He didn't get a title shot until 1990 with Evander Holyfield. Or that, no, that was 1991. Sorry, I, I sometimes get my dates confused. But either way, it's like, you know, why don't you wait a bit? And plus, do you really want... But, and by the time he, if he were to do this and get that title shot, he'd be, what, 59? Do you really want to say this 59-year-old man is the heavyweight champion of the world? It's like, ugh. It, it would just be awkward, and nobody would want to see that. But it's up to Tyson, all right? First, he's got to get got to get past Roy Jones Jr. And let's hope that they can make it an entertaining bout, provided nothing uh, happens to delay or just cancel the event altogether. Moving on. Now, this past Saturday night on Fox was another PBC broadcast. I want you to imagine something. You are a professional fighter. And even though we're living in a COVID-19 world, that you've got to fight. There's not going to be a lot of people watching it in the venue where it's taking place. But you train for the fight. You put in the hours in the gym. You're doing the running, the punching, the sparring. You're doing all that stuff. Imagine you come into the ring and you get beat by somebody who took this fight on three days notice. If there was ever a sign that it was time for Alfredo and Gulo to retire, I think this was it, my friends. Oh... First off, I do not want to take anything away from, oh God, Vladimir Hernandez. I, um, I, apparently, um, Angulo was originally supposed to be fighting Caleb Trow, uh, but due to sickness or injury, I can't remember what it was. I just remember that I turn it up, I'm turning on this, uh, fight on, I'm like, okay, well, this is obviously an opponent who's brought in on three days' notice. He's here to make Angulo look good. 
Clearly. I mean, three days' notice, what are you going to do? I mean, sure, I, you've been kind of trained as best you can, sane in shape, but what can you do? Well, maybe uh, maybe Hernandez thought the same thing, because he went out there and, good God, he just started right away. He he was backing Angulo up. Um, the, the shots, they... It, Obviously, it takes a lot to hurt Angulo, all right? Like, you could hit him with a 2x4, and he would still have the same look on his face, just like this. It, it, he's almost kind of like a caveman slash Terminator, all right? There's there's something kind of Cro-Magnon about his face. I don't understand it, but, oh my gosh, this was a real, a real toe-to-toe action. These guys do not have the most glamorous records, all right? They are not... They do not have the best technique, but oh my god, Hernandez versus Angulo was such a fun fight. And afterwards, afterwards, like when you actually see the punch stat numbers, listen to this. Alfredo Angulo threw 1,134 punches, landed 351, a 31% connect percentage. Unbelievable. Vladimir Hernandez threw 1,003 punches, landed 306, also 31% connect percentage. (laughs) Throwing over 1,000 punches, those are the numbers that Paul Williams used to throw in a 12-round fight. This was just a 10-round fight, and they were still doing this, and there was really no sign that, um, that either of them was going to go down. And everybody, like even the announcers, kept saying, "Oh, but um, Angulo is probably going to take over in the second half of the fight." You know, he's a slow starter, and this is what he likes to do. He likes to start slow, and then he really likes to pour it on in the latter half. But regardless, um, I I'm trying to find my original score. I think I had it ninety six ninety four. Yeah, ninety six ninety four for Vladimir Hernandez. The three judges who scored this fight had it a lot wider. 98-92, all for Vladimir Hernandez. The scores were a lot wider than I was expecting, but um, regardless, credit all the credit in the world to Vladimir Hernandez. He could have come in, he could have gotten knocked out in the first, second, third round, and everybody had been like, well, that was expected. He took the fight on three days' notice. I mean, he's basically an opponent there to make Angulo look good. Oh my gosh, no. He, he fought the fight of his life. And I, I give him all the props in the world because the amount of punches that he threw and took, I mean, oh my God. And all those punches that they uh, landed, they looked like they hurt. They looked like they hurt. It was a great undercard bout. The main event. Arislandi Lara versus Greg Vendetti. Um, you guys know that I like Arislandi Lara a lot. You know that uh, th- this program is sometimes a bit of a platform to me for me to be uh, president of the Arislandi Lara fan club. Unofficially, of course. The last time we saw Lara in the ring, and by the way, I would like to uh, once again emphasize to Joe Goosen and Lennox Lewis that his name is Arislandi Lara, 
not Laura. Laura is a co-worker of mine, all right? Laura is not a Cuban defector turned professional boxer, okay? That's Eris Landy, Lara. The last time we saw Lara in the ring was uh, just like a year prior to this, and he quickly dispatched uh, Roman Alvarez, the brother of Canelo Alvarez. Did it in two rounds, and it's like, wow! Like He, he just kind of got in this left hand that eventually got Alvarez on the ropes, and he just unloaded this wonderful combination of punches. It's like, wow! More of that, please, Arislandi Lara! Uh, That emphasis was mine, just in case Lennox Lewis or Joe Goosen are uh, listening. I wish we got that Arislandi Lara uh, on this PBC broadcast. I mean, he's, he's he's very technically sound, but... Um, I wanted him to do more against Greg Vendetti. And he had opportunities to do that. But it's clear that um, he should... I, I wanted him to get it out, get him out there. Or, I wanted Lara to get Vendetti out of there sooner than he did. But that's the thing. He didn't get him out of there. All he did was just, um, just box him, turn him. And everybody was going on about Lara's legs. But sometimes he would... Um, Stand still, kind of like daring Vendetti, like, hey, come on, hit me, let's see what you can do. Vendetti would try, but it was just not enough. And, yeah. Like, um, e- even Vendetti's trainer chastised him after the first round and said, don't make this easy for Lara. It's like, they, they know that he's, um, they know that he's losing the fight, and I'll be honest for you, I didn't have a scorecard because. I got bored after a while. That's kind of a bad thing when somebody who's like been telling people, "Hey, like Eris Andy Lara is a, a good fighter. Like he's he can he can be entertained when he wants to be." When I kind of stop, you know, taking score and just like, okay, let's just do this. It's kind of like, oh, that's not a good thing. I mean, when the twelfth round came around, I thought I thought this was the tenth. I mean, yeah. Lara says that he wants a rematch with Canelo. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Number one, because Canelo is probably in agreement with me and a lot of other people that he did not win the fight with Lara. I thought that uh, Lara got a bad deal. But uh, regardless, so they go to the scorecards 116 to 112, 117 to 111. And another 117 to 111, all for Arislandi Lara. Why doesn't somebody say, hey, um, why, why don't we see what Julian Williams is doing? They, they, they kept talking about the uh, all the talent that's in the 154-pound weight class. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying you could do a, uh, you could do something of a Super 6 tournament like they did back in the early uh, 2010s. You could do that here. It, it, the, the, you've got the talent. It's certainly possible. Why not Why not do that? But for whatever reason, I don't think they're going to. Uh, who would I like to see Lara in there with next? Uh, for the love of God, do not give him Vladimir Hernandez, all right? Number one, I, that, that won't happen because um, 
Hernandez, uh, that fight with Angulo was in the super middleweight division. Laura, Laura's still junior middleweight. He, he's able to keep that weight. He looks, always looks in great shape. And I remember something that they said during the broadcast. They said that Laura will sometimes respond to what his opponent is giving out. So if his opponent isn't doing much, Laura is not going to do much. And I'm also reminded of something that uh, Mary Spencer told me years ago about Floyd Mayweather. He is not fighting to be though the the style in which he fights. It's not uh, it's not supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to give him the victory. And it's kind of like ah that that's what we got from Laura. So he kept seeing P, or rather PBC describing it as a clinic and you know a schooling, but. I wish there was some entertainment in there as well. I mean, I'll still watch Laura's fights. Don't get me wrong. I'll watch his fights, but, um, I don't know. I, 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 I've been watching his, uh, God, was that 2013 or 14? His bout with Alfredo Angulo. Great back and forth action. I think it's a very underrated fight, in all honesty. But, um, you, you see the Laura in that fight. And it makes you say, why can't we see that more often? Especially against fighters like uh, Greg Vendetti. But uh, that's that's all we got for from Lara this time. Hopefully he'll be able to rise to the occasion, defend his WBA junior middleweight titles in a more exciting fashion. Now there is another broadcast that's going to be this Sunday on PBC on Fox. Hopefully I'll be there to cover it. Go to twitter.com slash boxing for free. You will get all my insight and analysis and wise-ass commentary. Anyway, that's all we have for you for this episode.